The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Why do you think this time will be different than the one over start I mean, shoot, I know what to expect now. Unlike many other people out there, I've been in NFL game, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not stepping out there for the first time. Uh, I, I know all my keys, all, all what to look at throughout film, what to watch, who key players are on their defense and everything now. So um, I'm not just going out there wide-eyed anymore. I'm going out there with the things to look at, things to focus on, and, and a plan to be able to tackle. You kind of knocked all the rust and stuff off um, after your first go-around. So uh, to be, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, it's going to be night and day. It's going to be night and day. Um, just my progression, the maturity, how I've handled the week um, this far and, and all the weeks before it. Um, be, just being able to learn from that first experience, I think it's going to help me a bunch. Good Lord, what a room to do a press conference in. Tell those other guys to shut the hell up and let the guy talk. My <laughs> God, I could barely hear what he was saying. Where do they do that? They hang up that backdrop right in front of the showers? What the hell was that? All right, anyway. Um Dorian Thompson Robinson getting his second career start. He played the week four game against the Ravens to the surprise of many, including him, Peter. No one's going to say this out loud. The reason Dorian Thompson, uh, Thompson Robinson wasn't ready for his prior NFL game action is because he didn't think he was playing because the starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, was saying all week long, yes, I have a shoulder injury, but I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. And he learned a valuable lesson, Dorian Thompson Robinson did. (laughs) Always assume as the backup that you're going to be playing, even if you're 99.9% sure you won't be. Hey, Mike, you know, no matter what the Browns say now, you have to, you have to think, I certainly think that, you know, we killed the, the Cardinals for getting a penny on the dollar in trade for Josh Dobbs. Well, in August, the Browns felt, okay, we're fine with Deshaun Watson, and we have a long-term, you know, quarterback in waiting 
uh, in Dorian Thompson Robinson, we're going to be fine at the backup position. And, and, you know, because we really trust this guy and, and I'm not saying, look, they lost to the Ravens 28 to three in week four. So I'm not saying they would have won that game with Josh Dobbs, but I'm saying they would not have lost the game 28 to three. That's for damn sure. And so to me, I think that, and I look, this is a year when I can look at about seven teams in the league. You certainly can look at the New York Giants as well. And you can ask, so you don't think you need three quarterbacks? Okay, well, let's just see then. You know, and that leads to Danny DeVito being the quarterback of the New York Giants. He said tongue in cheek. So to me, I and I think the same thing with Josh Dobbs. I think you anybody would ask the question, is it worth a day three 20 pick advantage to have to start Clayton Toon at Cleveland and get absolutely totally embarrassed instead of starting a guy who's not going to be phased by Miles Garrett coming right down the turnpike at you on every passing down uh, and would have made it a competitive game. So again, I, I don't know. I've played this tune many times, no pun intended, but I, I just think a lot of times NFL teams do not take the backup quarterback situation nearly as seriously as they should. I think you're absolutely right, and I was poking around this week as to some of the reasons why, and I'm going to paraphrase from a text I got from someone in a position to know the importance of the backup quarterback position. Way too many teams just look at it as, let's roll with what we've got, can't get anything else anyway. That's the attitude. Let's just go with what we have. And I think part of it too, Peter, Sims and I were talking about this yesterday. Okay, you've got your guy that knows your system, knows your coaches, knows your players. You know him. He knows you. No unknowns. No guesswork. We just stay the course. Or you bring in some guy that doesn't know anything. So on top of all the other things you have to do during the week to get ready for a game, you got to roll up your sleeves a little bit higher and get this guy up to speed and find out what you can about him. And how are you going to adjust your system to fit him? And how is he going to learn your system? And even though that guy may be better than the guys you have, it's just too much work. It's too much effort. It's not worth it. And that's what the Jets have done all year long, week after week after week. Ah, ah, we're fine with who we have. We're fine with who we have. And then the Vikings get in that position. And what do they do? Let's look at every possible alternative out there. That's what Kevin O'Connell said the Monday after Kirk Cousins Tories Achilles tendon. We're looking long-term. We're looking short-term. We're looking at everything. And they settle on Josh Dobbs. And let's get him ready. Here he is. Let's get him ready. And, you know, I've been repeating your point from last week. It really is amazing how little the Cardinals got for Josh Dobbs and how there was no one else at the table to drive up the price. Josh Dobbs is under the impression the Browns were in it. I'm told the Browns weren't in it. There was another team in it. I don't know which team it was. The Browns weren't even in it. There and, and, hey, Dorian Thompson-Robinson may come out and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions on Sunday. He looked great in the preseason. And maybe the explanation is he just wasn't ready to play because Deshaun Watson was telling anyone who would listen, 
I'm playing in that Ravens game. It doesn't explain why they benched him for P.J. Walker. And it's still not clear why they're going back to him now because Walker presided over the win over the 49ers. They almost beat the Seahawks. So they see something in Thompson Robinson, and they're willing to give him a shot in a pretty consequential game. Six and three Steelers, six and three Browns in Cleveland on Sunday. You know, what's interesting about this game, at least the way I look at it, Mike, is that, look, the Steelers have the freaking luckiest horseshoe of all time. Somewhere in their equipment bag. So I, I you know, explain. This I know where Sims me. would say it is. Sims yeah. would say it's up their butt because he says yeah, that all the time. Well, horseshoe what, and a shamrock and other wherever, things. Wherever it is, wherever it is, you keep waiting for some shoe to drop on the Steelers. And I'm not sure it's going to drop. That's the point. I really don't know that it's going to drop because, listen, everybody always, uh, oh, you know, the most quoted statistic in the NFL all season is that the Steelers have been outgained in all nine games and, uh, and they're six and three. But I think, I think, honestly, the strangest thing, if you look at it, Mike, and I was looking at this this week, you know what's amazing? That Kenny Pickett in the last six games, this is six games. This is not one or two. The last six games, he's thrown two touchdown passes. He's like Zach Wilson West. I, you know, how in the world are they winning all these games when Kenny Pickett is completing whatever it is? I think he's completing like 61%. And he doesn't score touchdowns. What in the world is going on here? And so, you know, I look at it and I just say, (laughs) at some point, a team is going to not turn it over against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're going to lose a game that everybody thought, I mean, who knows, coming up, the rest of their schedule. If a team doesn't turn it over against them, even a bad team, even like New England, they're playing them in a couple of Thursdays from now. If they if the Patriots don't turn it over, they get a decent chance to win. And everybody said, "Well, the Patriots are not beating the Steelers." I I don't know why. What do the Steelers do great? And so you know we'll we'll see what happens. But they get a pretty good advantage right now, obviously, because now they play Dorian Thompson Robinson, and then they might play uh, Jake Browning the week after that because they got to play Cincinnati. So we'll see. But, um, you you know, I think I think the one thing about the Steelers now that you have to watch is if I were Mike Tomlin, if I were Matt Canada, the beloved Matt Canada, I would just say, listen, we have got to ride uh, this Jalen Warren until the, the tires come off. You know, this is the guy we have to feature. And he's only had two games all year where he's run it over 10 times. But they got to make that a consistent part of their offense, and I mean right now. As to Kenny Pickett, Coach Mike Tomlin said this week, we're going to need more, particularly as this road narrows. He has no interceptions over the last five games, but only three total touchdowns, two passing, one rushing. He would have a third passing touchdown if George Pickett had dragged his toe a couple of Thursdays ago in Pittsburgh. But still, it's not a stellar performance from the quarterback. But 
you know, Peter, the debate that Sims and I have, because I have lived in and around Pittsburgh my whole life, and I just kind of have a feel for how this team is. And there are certain Steelers games where I just know they're going to win. Now, I don't feel as strongly about it this weekend. I do pick them to win in Cleveland, but there's just like when the Ravens came to town and Sims thought that was the moment this balloon was going to pop of my faith in the Steelers, my weird, strange belief that they're going to find a way to win no matter what. And they did that day. Sims argument is great. They're going to win enough games to get to the playoffs and then they're going to get blown out in the wild card round. But he agrees with my assessment. It comes from the stats from this Packers game, Jalen Warren, 101 rushing yards, Najee Harris, 82 rushing yards. As we get closer to the playoffs, you play defense and you run the ball. And maybe you win one of these weather games in January in Kansas City or in Baltimore or in Buffalo. Miami, it won't matter if they have to go there. But they're they're kind of stumbling into the formula for winning in January, even though you look at them and say, how are they winning in September, October and November? And I'm going to answer the question with turnover margin because, in my opinion, I just think right now that uh, that's how the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning. Uh, They have not had anywhere near the kind of consistent offense that anybody has when you win uh, consistently. And so, to me... It's a great example of why coaches try to teach that and try to coach that every step of the way. And so that's why, in my opinion, the Steelers are where they are and they need to maximize their running game and keep punching the ball out. We're going to take a break. When we return, we'll look at the – to follow on a point that we made earlier in the program, we're going to look at the gambling spreads for this weekend. And we're going to give you our underdogs of the week. EFT <laughs> Live continues right after this. There are the spreads for this week's games, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. This is the time of the week where we pick our favorite underdog. It's up to you to decide whether to listen to us or do the opposite. Peter, which one stands out to you from that group? For week 11. Green Bay Packers playing at home against the Chargers and the Chargers being favored by three. I think the biggest thing about this game to me, Mike, is that if you watched Jordan Love play last week, originally, I mean, you might just say, uh, well, you know, Jordan Love lost to the Steelers. I think he completed in the low 50s, something You know, same old Jordan Love. It wasn't the same old Jordan Love. He was confident throwing the ball downfield. And I believe in this game, you're going to see Jordan Love continue his progression, and he's going to play well. And I think the Packers are going to beat the Chargers. I see the Broncos line with the Vikings has moved from minus two and a half to minus two. That tells me people are recognizing the Vikings maybe are going to win the game. I'll go with Minnesota. I already picked them in the podcast that I do with Chris every Thursday. And, Peter, my concern for the Broncos is the letdown factor. That crazy-ass, down-to-the-wire, should-have-lost-it game in Buffalo on a Monday night, fly back to Denver, and have to get past that. And I say that because 
Last year, same week of the season, week 10, Minnesota was in Buffalo, had that crazy, nutty goal line fumbles and Justin Jefferson climbing the ladder to make the catch. And the Vikings won that game. And it was Kirk Cousins with his shirt off on the flight back. And they got beat 40 to three by the Cowboys the following Sunday because they had a letdown because it was just too much to continue to parlay that, that magic, that magic just comes back and bites you in the butt. So I know Sean Payton will be riding them every second about not having a letdown. I just think the letdown's coming. And one other note about that game that I think is fascinating, and it just shows how a good owner makes a difference. They had Army Air Force on that field in Denver recently. Greg Penner wrote the check, tear it up, and put in a new one. They did that last year, too, near the end of the season. For player safety, tear it up and put in a new one. Whatever it costs, tear it up and put in a new one. And more owners need to think that way, Peter. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mike, I believe you just used the word parlay. <laughs> anyway, not to not to talk about gambling too much, but hey, Mike, we have not spoken about this. This was not on our agenda today, but there's one thing I have to say. That at the end of that game, you know what is the craziest thing of all? I think Sean Payton voluntarily, voluntarily wanted to make that May Day play a mayday play because of the two extra points that had been missed earlier in the game. Too much time to think for his guys. We got a great special teams coach and Mike Westoff. Hey, Mike, we're not taking a timeout. We're not even going to take the normal process. We're going to have the clock moving and we're going to send Will Lutz out there, running out there, everybody. And look, it almost bit him in the rear end. But what bit him in the what bit a team in the rear end that night was Leonard Floyd not getting off the field and being the twelfth man. So I, I know that sounds crazy, and people will say, "Oh, that's not that's that's revisionist history." But I do think that's what happened in the game. And I was talking to a former head coach this week about that. That Peyton said multiple times, "The added benefit is it takes away the ability to think." And the response yeah. was. If that was the case, why don't you do every field goal that way? Send, run them out every time. Don't well, give them a because, chance to think. Just run them out and snap I'll, it. I'll tell you what. I, I'll I'm tell being, you why. Be, I mean, yeah, right. I'll tell you exactly why. Go ahead. Because he wouldn't have done it 
had they not blown two extra points, one by the kicker and one by the holder. So he just said, screw it. We're not going to do it this way tonight. I don't think they're going to do that regularly, nor should they. But there was just, he just felt something weird. And he said, we're just, we're running out there and we'll see what happens. Now, look, we'll, who knows whether that's absolute reality, but that's, I think that's what happened. It was quite a memorable game on Monday night, and hopefully we'll have a few more memorable games this weekend as they approach on Sunday. Also, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook this season offers new customers the opportunity to bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFPLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbooks, the crown is yours. We'll be right back. After the Bills lost to the Broncos in stunning fashion on Monday night, Trayvon Diggs, the brother of Bills receiver Stephon Diggs, first tweeted, man, 14, got to get up out of there. Of course, 14 is the number Diggs wears. And then Trayvon Diggs the next day pointed out that, let's not forget, he, i.e. Josh Allen, didn't start going off till bro, i.e. Stephon Diggs, got there. Here is Stephon Diggs from yesterday addressing the two tweets posted by his brother. I'm not responsible for how other people feel. Anybody in this room, for this matter, a reporter, a player, even my own brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love my brother. And the space that my brother's coming from is my family. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you want to know how he feels, you got to gotta take it up with him. I feel like I addressed it in training camp. Um, I addressed it prior to that, you know what I'm saying? But I really sat down with kind of everybody here around, like, training camp and kind of felt like I nipped it in the bud uh, as to how I felt or what I was feeling. Um, but here we are again. You know what I'm saying here we are revisiting the topic about how I feel. Um, I play with confidence. I go in with confidence. I prepare each and every week. I've always been a professional. I've never, re- I've never really said anything about being unhappy or um, in the instance of that. So when you draw in conclusions as to stuff I've never said, that's what kind of troubles me because it kind of throws a wrench in it. And it kind of creates chaos where i haven't created you know what i'm saying chaos created around me whereas though i've just been in the same space i've been in the same place and i've spoken true words i've said the same thing over and over and over so when you draw a conclusion as to um how i feel in my foreseeable future here i've never said anything but about but but i was a i'm a buffalo bill i give it everything i got um, i'm a professional and i treat this game as such okay i love stefan Diggs, but i will say this There's enough circumstantial evidence out there to justify the things that people are thinking. He tweeted his way out of Minnesota in early 2020, the same day Kirk Cousins got his first extension from the Vikings. He did that. He wanted out and he got out. So that's part of his history. He's capable of doing it. We've stretched the rubber band that far. Buyer beware if you trade for Stephon Diggs after he's already decided he doesn't want to play for the team he was already playing for. Second, whatever happened in June was weird. The Bills did him no favor the way they explained it. When the head coach, Sean McDermott, says, I'm very concerned Stephon Diggs isn't here for the mandatory minicamp, it created 36 hours of what the hell is going on with Stephon Diggs and the Bills. That doesn't go away. And then when your brother puts this out there, Peter, and there isn't, and again, I don't, look, I don't have a brother, so I don't know what the dynamic would be, but I'd like to think that if Stephon Diggs wasn't thrilled with the message that his brother was sending, you call him up and you say, do me a favor and delete that tweet. Or... They've already got a relationship in place where Trayvon knows not to go there. 
don't don't complicate my life. Don't put me in a position where I got to sit at a press conference right. and answer all these questions again. That's why he's got to answer the questions. It's not on the reporters. It's on him. It's on what he's done in the past, what happened in June, and his brother saying what his brother said. What what does he expect people to think when his brother, one of the closest human beings on earth to him, say that? Mike, I, I think this is exactly how you said it. I When I first heard this, first of all, I don't ascribe Trevon Diggs his comments, I don't necessarily think he is speaking for his brother. Okay. But I will say this. I don't think he says that unless he thinks, he thinks, whether it's true or not, that his brother is somehow happy or unhappy in Buffalo. So that's the only point. And I understand Stefan Diggs, I probably would have said the exact same thing. Hey, listen, come to me. Don't listen to my brother. But Mike, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that if your brother is saying something, hey, time to get out of there, get out of there, bro, whatever it is, you know that that's going to create a firestorm. And obviously it did. So I put this in the category of, where there's smoke, there's fire. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but I don't think it's something, like if I were Stefan Diggs, I'd be calling him and saying, dude, shut up, will you? Just shut up. You hit the nail on the head, Peter. The idea that the expression from Trayvon Diggs is a reflection of their communications. Trayvon Diggs has no reason to say 14 got to get up out of there unless they've been talking among themselves. He has no reason to say Josh Allen didn't go off until Stefan got there. That's not something Trayvon Diggs is just thinking up on his own. It's a product of his communications over time with his brother. That's where this all comes from. And the history is there. There have been unusual events in the past. He's already tweeted his way out of one NFL team. And I think we all expect, barring either a dramatic turnaround down the stretch or major changes in the offseason. Stephon Diggs is going to want to go elsewhere. He turns 30 in just a couple of weeks. He's going to want to go elsewhere while he still has time left in his prime. Let's take a break. The Browns are, ma- are not. St- I'm so excited I can't get it out right. The Browns may not be standing pat at quarterback. A well-known name in the AFC North coming to town for a workout today. We'll tell you who it is next on PFT Live. Well, 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 he could be back. You know, he's wanted to get back in. He didn't retire. Joe Flacco has been out there. Jets didn't bring him back. None of the teams that needed quarterbacks even gave him a phone call. Yes, a phone call. The Cleveland Browns did. He's in Cleveland. Photographs emerged last night of Flacco on a plane to Cleveland, and multiple reports indicate, and we have confirmed, that Flacco is working out for the Browns today along with others. So, Peter... Dorian Thompson-Robinson and P.J. Walker might have some company after all. Let's just remember that 14 months ago, the New York Jets, who last employed Joe Flacco, uh, started Flacco at Cleveland in week two, 14 months ago. And Flacco beat the Browns 31-30, four touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rate, a passer rating of 110.7. And 
that was at age 37. All of a sudden, Mike, at age 38, you don't uh, lose all ability to walk, chew gum, and throw a football at the same time. I don't know why Joe Flacco, and I'm not saying he's the savior, but I don't know why a willing-to-play Joe Flacco is not in the NFL. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Other quarterbacks will be working out for the Browns today. No names have surfaced yet. There aren't many out there. And unless it's Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers, it's not really going to move the needle. The thing I respect about Flacco... He loves the game so much that he's still willing after the sun has set on his career as a starter. How often do you see a true franchise quarterback stick around and hold a clipboard for multiple years? It doesn't happen. There's a a pride to it. There's an indignity. I was the guy. I mean, could you see Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady standing there on the sideline as a backup? Most franchise quarterbacks won't even consider it. Number one, they got more money than they need, and Flacco does, but he still loves the sport enough that he wants to keep going. That's rare as franchise quarterbacks go, Peter. And, you know, Mike, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, and I don't know whether he'd do it or not, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody didn't knock on Matt Ryan's door. Because I believe, and I believe to this day, that if Lamar Jackson had held out, that Matt Ryan would have been the Ravens quarterback. You know, if he if he, if he held out into training camp, I believe the Ravens brought in Matt Ryan. So it's clear that maybe if a good team comes knocking at his door, he'd at least consider it. Yeah, I don't know. I'd take a close look at the film from last year before I before I knocked. I might run off the porch after looking at how he played last year. I mean, there's a point where it's just over. And I think last year in Indy, it was over. But, but Peter, there aren't enough quarterbacks to go around. That's Clay, been the I, I just have look two, at all these I just injuries. have two words look at for all you. These guys. Yeah. Just have two words for you. Clayton Toon. <laughs> uh, no relation to Tommy Toon. As far as we know, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll do our show me something draft when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Going back to your athleticism, uh, when was the first time you realized you were fast? Uh, um, 
You know, I like to say, like, you, like, there's a lot of, obviously, large individuals on the other side of the football, and it's painful when they hit you, so it's more of, like, just running not to have to be hit by those, by those guys. So, yeah, like, it's something that's always been part of my game since I started playing football uh, when I was, like, six years old, so um, it's always been part of my game, and now the key is always finding ways to uh, make sure that that aspect of the game is never lost. Josh Dobbs, who is very nimble, very fast, ran for a touchdown that amazed Kevin O'Connell. If you saw the clip from NFL Films this week, Dobbs improvised, got to the end zone, had a touchdown pass as well. He's done very well for the Vikings in two games. So this is the time of the week that we do the show me something draft. And it can be positive. It can be negative. It can be pressure. It can be anticipation. Whatever direction we want to go, Peter, you're up. Show me something, Kenny Pickett. Listen. Mike Tomlin, no matter how obvious something is, very, very, very rarely says, you know, we're going to need something more from Guy X. So when he comes out and he says, we're going to need more from Kenny Pickett, what he's saying to all the world is in a very nice way, hey, Kenny, two touchdowns in six six games is not going to cut it. Um, And so to me, I look at, Kenny Pickett in a game against a tough, tough defense that he's got to step up and he's got to be the quarterback he was drafted to be. Show me something, Kenny Pickett. Show me something, Lions defense. It was troubling to me on Sunday that they allowed 38 points after having a bye week to get ready for the game against the Chargers, and the Chargers had to fly cross country after a tough, hard-fought game against the Jets, at least as it related to physicality, on Monday night. And still, the Lions defense was looking like the sieve that it was from much of last season. It raises the question, how many great offenses have they really seen? And now that they stumble into a couple of home games, they're looking at being in first place in the division for the first time since 1993 at Thanksgiving. They've got Bears. They've got Packers. They need to show me the kind of defense with Justin Fields coming back that can carry the day as we get closer and closer to the inevitable postseason appearance Can the defense step up later? I want to see it step up now better than it did on Sunday against the Chargers. Show me something, Antonio Pierce. Great start to your head coaching career, but you have to admit, Giants and Jets, relatively speaking, are JV teams. Now you travel across the country to South Florida and you play the varsity, play the Miami Dolphins. Let's see what the Las Vegas Raiders can pull out against a well-rested Miami team. And this these are the kind of games, Mike Florio, that are going to determine whether Antonio Pierce gets the interim tag taken off his coaching uh, resume. So show me something, Antonio Pierce. Go to Miami have the Raiders in the game at the two-minute warning of the fourth quarter, at least. Show me something, Joe Brady, the interim offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. And I'm reminded of the scene in My Cousin Vinny where Joe Pesci lists all of the different pressure that is on him as he's approaching the trial of his cousin and his cousin's friend. All the pressure, everything under the sun, it's all on Joe Brady. 
Everybody's job is riding on Joe Brady. If Joe Brady turns this offense around, everyone's saved. If it fails, everyone's gone. Now, we don't know that for sure, but it doesn't take a genius to at least think it's a possibility. It's all on Joe Brady, who had all of five days to pivot from being quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator to putting together a game plan to deal with a damn good Jets defense that is coming to town on Sunday and the Bills Mafia has begun the process of turning on the team. You'd almost rather play this game on the road if you were the Bills. Nope, they can't hide from the fans. They can't hide from the Jets. And Joe Brady can't hide from the spotlight. Show me something, Joe Brady. Show me something the franchise once known as Andy Reid's team. Show me something, Philadelphia Eagles. You're 0-4 against... Your former mentor, Andy Reid, 0-4. You have to go into Kansas City, and if there's any time to beat Patrick Mahomes, it is coming off a performance like Kansas City had in Frankfurt against the Miami Dolphins. And look, Kansas City's defense won that game. Make no mistake about it. Because after the first series of the game, when Kansas City took the ball down the field and scored in the first four minutes, okay, they scored one touchdown in the last 56 minutes of that game on offense. And afterwards, as I was waiting for Andy Reid to talk to him after the game, because I was there, I had to wait 17 minutes for Matt Nagy to come out of his office because he was having a a long discussion with Andy Reid. This is the time to get Kansas City. Show me something, Eagles. Break that Reed Schneid. Show me something, Frank Reich. Now, I don't know why he decided to take back play calling. I don't know why he gave up play calling in the first place. I have a feeling that he was acting on what he believes the wishes of his boss, David Tepper, were at the time he gave up the play calling and are at the time he's taken them back. But for Reich's return to being responsible for the plays called, here come the Dallas Cowboys. I suspect Thomas Brown was more than happy to surrender play calling for a defense that consists of Micah Parsons and all those other guys that are going to be chasing around (laughs) Bryce Young on Sunday, who actually popped up on the injury report on Thursday. But I think at the end of the day, Frank Reich fears that David Tepper is going to make a change after one year. And if he's going to go down, he's going to go down swinging. He's not going to go down standing there watching someone else swing. So show me some swinging, Frank Reich. Show David Tepper enough that he decides not to make a rash decision and fire his head coach after only one year. Let's take a break. When we return, some thoughts about the story that ultimately took the sports media world by storm on Thursday, and I have a feeling it will resonate into and through the weekend. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. I noticed this yesterday morning, right about this time, there was a tweet from the Barstool account that had a clip of Carissa Thompson, host with Fox and Amazon, on the Pardon My Take podcast with Dan Katz, a.k.a. Big Cat, and Eric Sollenberger, a.k.a. PFT commenter, And the clip consisted of her explaining that when she was a sideline reporter, at times she would make up the content 
when she wasn't able to get access to the coach at halftime, she would just say something that was very basic and simple and that wouldn't make the coach mad. It wasn't anything inconsistent with what the coach would have said if the coach would have said anything. The problem is saying that makes a lot of other people mad. And Peter, I monitored it throughout the day. And there was a torrent by dinner time of criticism from other sideline reporters who look at this and say, basically, and I talked to Laura Oakman for a while last night because she works for Fox and she went on the record on Twitter and called this out. It's hard enough as it is. They always have to worry about somebody trying to denigrate what they do. And this one came from inside their own ranks. And that's what made it even more disappointing for Laura Oakman. And I think she said it as well as anyone could. It's disappointing when you're constantly fighting to prove to people that what you do has value. And one of the people who did that job says, I just made stuff up. That makes it even harder for the people who do that job to prove on a day in and day out basis that they're adding something. And they do. And they're in position to do so during these games. Mike, whether a sideline reporter is a is someone who you would describe as a quote journalist end quote whether a sideline reporter is that or whether a sideline reporter is there just to pass along information or or whatever it is whatever it is journalism right now in our country is under attack the reason it's under attack is because many people don't trust journalists They don't trust the people who talk on television, who write on websites, who write in print. Okay, so when something like this happens, I can tell you that a large percentage of the naysayers who think that journalists are liars, okay, and who only write and serve their own personal masters, They're going to say, see, I told you, they just make this crap up and they just write whatever or say whatever they want. That's why this is damaging. I feel for sideline reporters who are honorable and who work hard at their job last night at the game. uh, Two hours, two hours and 15 minutes before the game, I got to the press box and there's um, uh, uh, Kaylee... um, Who am I thinking of, Mike? I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Hartung. But Kaylee Hartung, sorry. Kaylee Hartung is out on the field talking to a coach on the Bengals who's out there and then talking to somebody else. So, I mean, these are people, many of whom work very hard at their job. But, But let's take that away for just a moment and just say that this is about our country right now, in my opinion, the more damaging thing is not to sideline reporters uh, as a group. The more damaging thing is to journalism in our country and people who now can say, see, I told you, they just make it up. You know, that's an excellent point. And I hadn't thought of that until you said that earlier when we were discussing this during a break, because how are we to convince people that were on the up and up when people who had those jobs in the past are willing to say, yeah, I just made it up. And the reaction that some have to this is to the sideline reporters who are angry. Oh, you're just mad because she blew your cover because you all do it to your point. Exactly. It it feeds the perception 
that people are just making things up. It's like what we were talking about earlier with officiating and the fix being in. People believe it. Regardless of whether or not it's true, they believe it. And if they believe this, here is a chunk of red meat proving their conspiracy theory to be true. That's why it is so problematic, as you say, because as it relates to gambling and the fix being in and people thinking that in football games, there isn't that same chunk of red meat that they can sink their teeth into as proof, at least not yet, with the idea that journalists are making stuff up. And I wouldn't be surprised if people use this beyond the boundaries of sports media, just as evidence of it's all fake. It's all made up. Don't pay attention to any of it. It's it's going to fit everybody's interpretation of what they think of the news media. And that's the most damaging thing. Now, let's let's just focus on one thing about the role of a sideline reporter. Mike, you and I have been in this business for a long time. Much of what a sideline reporter does, a good sideline reporter, is they are on the there. They have an earpiece in and they have the ability to communicate with the truck with the producer, with the director, who can get messages to the uh, to the booth upstairs, even if they're not going to be on the air. Hey, listen, Burrow is down here limping. He's grabbing his hand. There's something in it. You know, get your camera on Joe Burrow. Get it on him right now. I mean, those are the kind of things that sideline reporters do that everybody said, oh, it's inane. There's stuff. We don't really care about it. The good ones find a purpose and that is what hurts about this also. I'll leave you with the tweet from Catherine Tappan of NBC, who's done college and NFL work with us as to the Carissa Thompson admission deplorable. I hold myself to the highest standard in everything I do. I know my hardworking colleagues do the same. We earn respect the hard way. To those commenting on the irrelevant role of sideline reporters, beat it. We are journalists. These actions are not normal. Thanks for some of your time. Enjoy the games. See you Monday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.